So many things have ruined my childhood So I go online to bitch and cry It feels like all of Hollywood is up against me They even made Optimus fly New versions of what I grew up with Are being remade, rebooted and retried My adolescence is under attack now I think that a part of me has died Aliens, uh -huh, uh -huh. Predators, uh -huh, uh -huh. Marvel, uh -huh, uh -huh. DC, uh -huh, uh -huh. maybe it doesn't all quite sting. Okay, well, except maybe for that Jar Jar Binks. Could it be I've misunderstood? This podcast ruined my childhood. Hello, and welcome to This Podcast Ruined My Childhood. I'm Phil Durasmo, and with me is Eric Walensky. Say hello to the fine people, Eric. Hi, fine people. I'm Eric Walensky. This podcast is coming to you from two guys who grew up with geek culture from the very late 70s to today. And we're going to focus on the areas of pop culture that the very vocal minority has stated has ruined their childhood. Or I should say has ruined the idea of what it meant to them in their childhood. These people generally look at new ideas of movies, television, books, video games, different aspects of the pop culture world, and they decide that it is completely destroyed everything that they've known and loved about their childhood. And so uh, we're here to touch on some of those items, take a look at the history of some of these things that people have said, ruin their childhood, and then maybe talk about the bright side. Uh, I agree. I think it's an overblown reaction uh, to say that a new movie putting out new content for something you loved and held so dear uh, ruined all of that for you. Uh, I don't think that anything that's come out in the past 20 years, uh, whether it was a reboot, a sequel, a prequel sequel, a sequel prequel sequel, or some combination of thereof, I don't think any of that made me look at the original childhood joy that I had in any different light. Whereas I think being older now, it's given me actually more insight into the creative process and why uh, filmmakers who made incredible content in the 80s, uh, even back to the 70s, uh, now um, they're different people too. And I think... I think they're looking at things through a different lens. Very true. Very true. And, you know, it's what I find very interesting is that in Hollywood, everyone has a vision and everyone deserves to have their voice heard. And so if a filmmaker that was, say, 10 when a specific TV show or movie came out, and now they're given the opportunity to reshape it for a new generation, I think they should definitely have the ability to do that without people bitching and complaining uh, that it's not what they grew up with. Because, to be honest, nothing will ever be the same. And if if you go back and watch some of the old TV shows that we grew up with, you know, G.I. Joe and He-Man, those, those TV shows were made to sell toys. They weren't made to really produce great content. <laughs> so the fact that the new G.I. Joe movies ruined someone's childhood really is funny to me. Well, you hit on something right there. And that is what I would say is different about the sequel prequel generation that we live in now compared to when this stuff was new obviously movies were made to make money 
and to sell merchandise back then. But I think it's even more so now to try to find a way to profit off of old content that you already know has a built-in audience. And there is a fine line for filmmakers to walk when it comes to pleasing the old fans that they know will show up, but trying to get new fans involved. I think as we go through our podcast, uh, we're definitely going to touch on that subject lots of times, at least I'm going to. And I've got a real strong opinion on a lot of these properties about where they went wrong with that concept of getting the old fans and the new fans and where I really think the almighty dollar stepped in and played a, a larger hand than it even did when this stuff was created the first time. Sure. Sure. And you know, I'm to not to spoil a lot, but I'm definitely an apologist when it comes to some of these things. I watch these movies and these TV shows that are getting remade or rebooted or recycled and I might not love it, but I understand that maybe this isn't now made for me and I can appreciate what whatever they're trying to do. And so, you know, when when movies come out or TV shows come out, I may have a very strong opinion against it, but I'm not going to go online and complain about it because I understand that, you know, now that they're redoing, let's say, let's talk about Transformers. They, re- they redid Transformers. It wasn't for 10-year-old me. You know, it was for 25-year-old kid that was not born yet when I watched it on TV. So it's just a different audience. And, you know, everybody needs to kind of take that into consideration too. But we'll get into that when we get into uh, some of these episodes that we have in store. So one of the things that we we want to touch on in this first episode, aside from just introducing ourselves, is um, talk about where this whole idea of something ruining a childhood came from. And I went back and did a little research and found a couple articles that pretty distinctly call out the first time anybody used ruined my childhood was in 1999 with The Phantom Menace. And it was somebody who was just so upset with George Lucas and what he did after not thinking that there would be any more Star Wars after 1983, seeing this film that kind of rebuked a lot of what they knew and loved about Star Wars in their mind. And so someone, you know, raked George Lucas over the coals for the Phantom Menace ruining their childhood. And then that that phrase just kind of stuck. And now it's become a geek Uh, a geek anthem, so to speak, for those that just believe that something is really taking a property they loved in a different direction. I personally have never used that phrase. And uh, I don't think I ever will use that phrase. Um, At this point, everything's been remade or rebooted at some point or another. So I don't think there's even anything left for me to possibly say that finally ruined my childhood. (laughs) Yeah, I doubt it. I doubt it. I've only used it in jest. You know, I've never actually meant it. I've I've tongue in cheek. Oh, that ruined my childhood. But I never meant it. And I've never said it online to blast somebody for making something that I didn't agree with. So in addition to being two guys who had childhoods and uh, currently have not had them ruined, uh, per se, um, I'm uh, I've got a Ph.D. in Star Wars um, and I specialize in the original trilogy. Uh, The novels written post Return of the Jedi and all the comics. What they call legacy. Exactly. As Phil knows, I I wrote my master's thesis on what I would have done differently in the prequels for Star Wars and the new Disney era Star Wars. Uh, I'm fluent in Star Trek, uh, specifically the original series and the Next Generation dialects. I did an understudy in DC Comics 
with a focus on Batman and Batman-related properties. Uh, I minored in the Muppets. Uh, I speak Marvel, Transformers, G.I. Joe, Terminator, Rick and Morty, and Back to the Future. So uh, I've got some decent credentials, uh, and I think my opinion matters. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Every opinion matters, even if it's wrong, as some of our friends over at Real Fans for Real Movies say. Well, unlike Eric and his PhD, I decided to learn my geekdom from experience. You know, I, I think it's best to go roll up your sleeves and just get in it and, and learn while doing rather than taking classes. So I, uh, I learned about Star Wars in the 80s uh, when I was a wee child and I watched all Transformers and, and G.I. Joe and He-Man and, and even um, Gem and the Holograms. You know, I watched all those shows. And then, you know, nowadays I, I speak pretty fluently as well, even though it's I have some words wrong because I didn't take any classes on it like you did, Eric. You know, I, I definitely had to learn Star Trek by J.J. Abrams, which is not the right way to learn it, by the way. Phil, you yeah, you do realize that I, I was just making an analogy there. I don't actually have a degree in Star Wars. Oh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I know that. I, yeah, <laughs> I know that. Um, <laughs> but I, I do say that I have learned a lot uh, over the years about what makes a geek a geek and a fan a fan. And I'm well-versed in a lot of these properties as well and can't wait to talk about them with you. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, me too. One of, the, one of my big things that I, I love, uh, aside from just Marvel, DC, and above all else, Star Wars is horror movies. So I can't wait to get to talk about some of those properties too, how, how they take detours to reboot or recycle or reuse um, horror franchises. Things before we wrap up this first episode zero that we have for you, uh, we're going to talk about movies that defined us in our childhood, things that we uh, fell in love with that really helped us grow our own geek culture. So Eric, why don't you, you take it away first? Well, as I have a fake PhD in Star Wars, um, I actually do have a certificate from Underoos from 1983 where I'm an <laughs> honorary Jedi Knight. So I do have some credential when it comes to that. I have paperwork I can provide if you need to see Wow. That's great. <laughs> but uh, Star Wars was definitely the defining movie of my childhood. Uh, the, the trilogy itself – I was not quite old enough to go to the movies for the original release of Star Wars or Empire. However, in 1983, a local second-run dollar theater, uh, and I can explain that to you youngins one day, what a dollar theater was. <laughs> um, they actually ran Star Wars and Empire before uh, Return of the Jedi came out, and uh, my mom took me to see Star Wars on the big screen. I'd seen it on HBO, and I believe we had a VHS copy. Sure, it wasn't Betamax? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> What's Betamax? I'll <laughs> tell you that one, too. I was familiar with Star Wars and Empire. I had not seen them on the big screen. And mm -hmm. uh, so I got to see them. And then Return of the Jedi, that movie was the movie for me. And I still remember, to this day, going with my mom to watch it, coming out being so excited, standing on the curb at the parking lot and being like, I loved when Luke jumped off the skiff and I jumped <laughs> up in the air and I did a twist and my foot came down half on the curb and I fell, twisted all the way back around, scraped my knee up. I still have a scar. It's my return wow. to Jedi scar. And uh, yeah, I bled all over the place and, and 
And that's what I remember. The force hurts. If, if, <laughs> if not done correctly. It could be, yeah, wielded incorrectly. It could be very painful. Mm-hmm. For sure. But definitely Star Wars uh, shaped me back then. And still today, I, I for as much as I will voice an opinion that makes it seem like I do not like the new movies, I appreciate everything that they have put out, uh, but my heart belongs to the original trilogy. Very nice. So for me, I'm I'm kind of similar. I'm a couple years younger than you, uh, not by much, but a couple years younger in, in that I didn't get to see any of the movies uh, on the big screen. I was two years old when Return of the Jedi came out. So for me, all of the movies were watched on VHS until they were re-released in 97, I believe, for the 20-year anniversary of Star Wars. And uh, George Lucas put out the special editions in 1997, a couple months apart, if I remember correctly. And so I got to see them all then with those interesting changes that we'll eventually talk about on the show at some point, too. And then I went to see Phantom Menace in 1999. And for some reason, at first viewing, I thought it was a great movie till I got it on DVD and could watch it over and over again and start seeing the major flaws. Star Wars definitely shaped a lot of my youth. As I kind of mentioned before, there were a lot of other things that I was big on. So, you know, Transformers TV shows. Voltron was huge in my house. I loved Voltron. He-Man I loved. I had all the toys you could ever ask for, for both of those. But uh, the other movie properties that that I think really shaped my childhood was Ghostbusters. In my youth, I was kind of a scared kid. You know, I was very anxious and afraid of a lot of things. Every year, we would fly to Florida and go to Walt Disney World. And one of the things that freaked me out as a kid was the Haunted Mansion. And my parents told me that I was actually an honorary Ghostbuster. And if we went into the Haunted Mansion and I got scared, I could shoot the ghosts with my pretend proton pack and they wouldn't hurt me. So that helped me get over my fear of riding the Haunted Mansion, which is now one of my favorite attractions. I then just fell in love with Ghostbusters because it helped make me strong and get over my fears. So I wanted to watch Ghostbusters all the time. When I was that little, I wanted to be a Ghostbuster when I grew up. And then I found out that that wasn't real. And it was people pretending to be Ghostbusters. So then I wanted to be a pretend person who could be a Ghostbuster, which led me to realize that they were actors. And I wanted to then be an actor. And so that shaped a lot of my formative years because I originally went to college, my first few years in college for theater. uh, I wanted to act, write, and direct. And, you know, that's not something that I finally pursued in my actual career, but I have found ways to direct and write and act in my own way uh, in my, you know, personal life as it were. So Ghostbusters had a big, big impact on me. Now we're going to give you a little tease of what's to come on this podcast ruined my childhood. Coming up in our very first podcast, we're going to talk about the one that started it all, the Phantom Menace, but not just Star Wars, the Phantom Menace. We're also going to talk about all prequel era films, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. We'll eventually get to Star Wars in the Disney era and what happened to the original trilogy when George Lucas introduced the special editions. We'll also get into topics such as Predator, Ghostbusters, the DC Extended Universe, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, even the Muppets and much, much more. So with that, we'll end this episode zero and hope that you'll tune in to our very first episode dropping very soon. Eric, tell the people where they can find you. I actually have another podcast where I will talk about anything, everything, and nothing, really. Uh, So my podcast is aptly named Everything, Anything, and Nothing Really on Podbean, on YouTube, on iTunes, 
and uh, check out the Facebook page and uh, you can hear some more uh, funny little stories from me on that. Great. And everyone can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, any of those social sites at PhilDemo, F-I-L-D-I-M-O. You can also hear me on other podcasts in the Real Fans Podcast Network, such as Real Fans for Real Movies, the one that started it all, Holy Batcast, Disorder, every Disney film in order, and Grim Grinning Hosts. So thank you all for tuning in, and we hope that we can help salvage some of your childhood. Could it be I've misunderstood? This podcast ruined my childhood. I remember I would have Castle Grayskull uh, with Skeletor and He-Man action figures fighting, and Voltron would come in, and they would work with He-Man to defeat Skeletor. It was great. Phil, you, you just ruined my childhood with that. We never would have been friends as kids. I would have stormed <laughs> out of your playroom as soon as you picked up Voltron. It's like, we're playing He-Man. No, but Voltron, no, he can't. <laughs> it was the original mashup. It was a crossover before anybody knew what crossovers were.